Hey guys, good morning, or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Phil Krause Survival Podcast. I'm your host, Mike. And I'm your co-host, Kurt. Every time. <laughs> Every time there's something different from Kurt. That's what I like about Kurt, <laughs> is he has different personalities. Oh, thanks. Tripolar. <laughs> <laughs> He's a Navy SEAL, a Green yeah. Beret, and a MARSOC guy. Yeah, and a Marine Raider. Yeah, and, and a Walmart Army Greeter. Ranger. Walmart yeah. Greeter. Yeah, today's podcast, we're doing a podcast on actually the Phil Krause Survival Kit and the integration of that Phil Krause Survival Kit in uh, off-road survival. Yeah. You know, the reason we're doing this is really educational because we, we've talked about the Phil Krause Survival Kit, which is known as the Green Beret Survival Kit or the Minimalist Survival Kit. And we've explained a little bit about the, the premise behind how the kit came about, but we never really captured it in, in its totality. We never even discussed it. A lot of people know the kit because they see the kit in a, in a package, right? but they don't know what the hell's in it. Yeah, <laughs> They're like, I'm not going to pay 150 bucks for this shit. <laughs> yeah. uh, so this, think of this as an educational um, episode on really what you need in survival, the, the way that the kit came about and the uses for the kit, and also the integration of that kit into mobility platforms, which was the overall intent of that kit in the first place and highlighting the course that we do have on September 30th through October 1st, which is a Saturday and Sunday right. in Durango, Colorado uh, for the off-road or off the beaten path survival course. Yep. So yeah, hope you guys enjoy this episode and uh, I look forward to it. All right, so go straight into it. Remember, we talked a little bit about survival kits, and that, yep. you know, the kits that you had in the military. But if, you know, one thing, survival kits are for the most part pieces of shit they're like yeah. just bricks of garbage yeah um well a lot of the stuff you've seen in the civilian market you know until i think um some guys well for instance like yourself and then some some other pretty serious players in the game uh actually made survival kits worth a fuck with company you know paired with companies that um you know they they make decent products as far or they make good products for survival kits but the only kind of some of the only decent survival kits I've ever seen were pre-made military survival kits that were actually halfway decent. Yeah, guys put them together for the application of the right. AO or area of operation right. they're operating in. I, you know, it's it's funny is when I think about the survival, I've, I've had several survival kits and special operations which have been uh, uh, in some pretty high speed organizations and use of SOC, and even those kits handcuff key was part of the kit, right? Right. Because you, you're in a, you know, you're in a uh, peace detention type scenario where you get detained by a foreign government and you need to break out. Yeah. Uh, you have this little um, handcuff key you smuggle up your butt. And then... Uh, <laughs> that was your preferred spot. Yeah. Was, well, so you, had, you had the <laughs> gambit of handcuff keys, medieval handcuff keys. <laughs> <laughs> the extra girthy ones. Yeah. You said handcuff keys, not fucking dungeon door keys. <laughs> you never know, man. You never know when you're going to get detained in a castle yeah. in Narnia. Yeah. So, including that, some of the some of the stuff that they put into it was like a fishing line mm-hmm. and a fishing hook, and you know that always blew my mind. I'm like, we're in Afghanistan, or you know, we're in Iraq. Yeah. And we're doing direct action operations. I got a fishing hook. You're going to hook a finless brown trout from the tigers. <laughs> <laughs> the tigers. So, and, and if you eat that fish, you're going to die anyway yeah. because it's coming out the tigers and Euphrates anyway. So it doesn't matter. Maybe that's a quicker way to kill yourself. Yeah. And you start hooking yourself in the neck to get your juggler. Yeah. You know, the story goes, 
and, and I won't, I won't, I'm not going to lie about this. You know, there, I, I always had good survival kits that we made, especially for recce. Uh, and most of it dealt with uh, water procurement because yeah. water was a big, significant issue for us because we carried liters of water. But oh, yeah. uh, when we started doing being a little bit smarter, we carried the stuff to procure water and to sanitize it. Right. Uh, I remember specifically a buddy of mine, Dave, on an objective in Iraq. We, we all did an offset. So we walked like uh, a couple miles to the objective in mm -hmm. the middle of summertime. And people were going down because of heat casualties. We all ran out of water. And then the next thing you know, dudes are drinking out of garden hoses and at Iraq houses <laughs> and getting Giardi up the ass. Yeah. But I'm thinking, like, how hard would it have been to carry uh, chlorine dioxide or bleach tablets yeah. to, iodine, to or... iodine, sanitize the water? Yeah. It's not that big of a deal. So when we were in ranger school, we did water resupplies. Yeah, bleach. With bleach. Yeah. With iodine tablets. Yeah. And, I mean, dude, I remember, I remember getting, like, Dipping my canteen into a creek, yeah, and then drinking Remember the water. Remember, everybody had to give up their canteens. Yeah, to like the dude that was going to do the water resupply yeah. outside yeah. the perimeter. And it was like Shh, he man. had like eighty canteens, he had like a big garbage duffel bag. <laughs> well, and then he's and my favorite. I remember specifically doing that water resupply once, and a dude pissing in the water <laughs> upstream. Upstream, I'm like, dude, what are you doing? Yeah, good dude, good dude, buddy fucker is what we call him. <laughs> and then uh, I remember drinking the water. And chewing on the iodine tablet. Yeah. I mean, and we were just like, good, you know, and <laughs> like, whatever. I don't think that's the preferred technique. Yeah, it's not. It's a technique. Yeah. So going out of the military and transitioning into contract work where I was in permissive and semi-permissive environments, so shady to real shady fucking places, <laughs> you had to have a minimalist version of this kit. You couldn't have like a Molly multi-cam pouch attached to your Molly rucksack. You had to do a little bit more clandestine, for lack of a yeah. better term. Low-vis. Low-vis kits that you had to be able to get into country, mm -hmm. which is why I'm a huge proponent of the rat's tourniquet because for that same reason, you can't go in with a piece of equipment that has an NSN written on the back of it. Right. So I did go, I went to this course, and I won't mention the name of the course or the organization I took it with. But anyways, it was ran by a whole bunch of uh, SEER instructors that mm -hmm. were young SEER instructors from the Air Force. And they were all contracted and we were given a Ziploc bag full of minim minimalist equipment. And this is after in the military, I've been to Sear C, Sear 215, Sear 245 Alpha, Sear 250. Yeah. So all these high speed, high speed Sears, Sears for military applications, I was going to now to a Sear school that was ran by the government and dude, it was super squared away. It was mm -hmm. like, it was like, here's this bag of minimalist Ziploc bag full of minimalist equipment. You're going to put it on your person or on your body. And then you're going to live off of it. And I remember taking notes in that class. I still got the notebook where I said, you know, you got SEER instructors with tons of military experience whose expertise is survival, escape, resist, evade. Mm -hmm. And they optimize a package, a minimalist package full of survival kit for the loan operator that's going into semi or permissive environments to be able to operate. Mm -hmm. And I was like, it's a no brainer. I'm taking everything <laughs> and I'm turning it into a business <laughs> and I'm selling that same exact kit. Yeah. And which is cool. Actually, the background on the kit is, um, you know, not just your experience, my experience, but it's a whole, uh, you know, group of people 
that were trained specifically in survival that put that stuff together based off of real world experience, you know, based off of new technology and all these things and kind of said, Hey, this is it. Yeah. And so you captured that, which is really cool. And obviously we have those now. So yeah, I, my whole thing, my, I remember saying to one of the instructors, like, I, I'm taking all this <laughs> and turning it into a business. He's like, nah, dog. He's like, dude, you should, because you know, the thing about the government, it's, uh, it's inefficient. Yeah. But when you get closer to the tip of the spear in operations and special operations, it's more efficient. Yeah, absolutely. And so you get a, this optimized approach to equipment, especially with these organizations that I was working with. And so I took this kit and then uh, turned it into the minimalist Green Beret survival kit. And if, if honestly, if I didn't do that, it wouldn't be available. Mm-hmm. And so there's, there, I, I want to make it clear that there's nothing high speed about the equipment that's in the kit. Yeah. It's the best equipment, hence the price point. Yeah. But it's all the things that makes sense chronologically in survival. Yeah. Like, why the fuck are you going to have a fishing fish hook and fishing line in Iraq or yeah. any, really any country? Yeah. Over, I mean, that's nice to have. Who wouldn't want to have something over nothing? Right. Over the ability to contain and and sanitize water for example right which is you know one of a couple things that will kill you the fastest right well there's other there's other techniques as well i mean just talking about fishing in general and i don't want to get off topic too much but there there are techniques in bushcraft that teach you how to manufacture um different things where you can actually catch fish so you know there's that too so. yeah yeah there's there's more efficient methods as opposed to just throwing in a piece of fishing line and yeah, hook. and selling it for a price point, and then people like buy into it. Right. But another another element of this is I just wanted people to have something that's practical. Right. You know that makes sense. We have buddies in Third Special Forces Group, and a lot of guys in Third Special Forces Group and the Joint Task Force, which I know for a fact is using it, have used those kits overseas. Right. Because it's minimalist, meaning. It, it's not a large signature. In fact, it's the smallest signature that I could put together in to, that package, right? In that package to sustain. My, my whole thing was uh, using the recce formula, the mm -hmm. reconnaissance formula, was to sustain you for 72 hours. Right. I make that statement based off the fact that you could procure three days worth of water based on the chlorine dioxide tablets that are in there. Right. At, at five to seven liters per day for the average male. Right. So you could sanitize that much water. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's a neat thing because the uh, understanding with this kit is, yeah, you can stick it in your backpack, mm -hmm. but you could also stick it in your glove box in your mobility platform. Center console. Center console. Yeah. Glove glove department. Yeah. Compartment. And it's there all the time. Yep. And you don't have to think about it. Mine's sitting in my center console in my truck right now. I know we're, we talk about it all the time. Like, we're not just going to sell something to somebody that we don't use because you know our careers in special operations were a lot of the same way we used stuff that worked and then we got rid of all the shit that didn't so. yeah are you keistering your handcuff keys too <laughs> yeah. yeah the dungeon keys not in my ass right now yeah <laughs> every other day you do, i would go i would alternate yeah. the small key yeah and the actually key. when you see the 550 cord around my waist it's got a tie off <laughs> A quick lanyard, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Quick lanyard to the dungeon key in my ass. That's, That's awesome, man. Yeah. That's actually a really good idea. We, we should... digress into butt stuff. I, I don't know, poop and butt. Yeah, that's okay though. It's natural. It's all natural, <laughs> all natural poop and butt. 
All right, so let's get into a little bit about the kit uh, moving on. All right, so the kit, we talked about this before, uh, the staples of survival. Yep. And one important, number one, I think it's chronological, semi-chronological. Yeah. Based on any situation, natural or man-made catastrophes, where you are in a situation where you're isolated. Yep. The first thing that's going to kill you, generally speaking, is exposure. Right. That could be exposure to the cold, to the heat, to rain, to anything. And so the retention of your body temperature mm -hmm. and not letting yourself get hypothermic, not allowing yourself to uh, go into shock is a great start point in a survival kit because, you know, it, it could be part, part of its shelter, right? Because uh, we use a sole space blanket. Yeah, I was going to say the... The, uh, the piece of equipment, if you will, inside of the Green Beret Minimalist Survival Kit is the sole space blanket, right? Yeah, it's like a $2. Yeah. Uh, you know, I believe in transparency in business because I don't think there's no point in hiding things. And I think tr being transparent more so than anything else is uh, how you uh, gain trust sure. in consumers and clients and customers. That shit's like $2. $2. Yeah. It's like nothing. Yeah. And, it, you know, it's, it's a piece of mylar. And it retains heat, it reflects heat, mm -hmm. it provides shelter, it prevents shock, and it it uh, allows you to be able to do signal. Uh, it retains water. Yeah, dude. I mean, it's like the the it's a magical piece of equipment. That's jack part of, of all kit. trades. Jack, it's the green beret of, <laughs> of uh, survival. survival kit. Whoa, that's crazy. When you look at that, that's that's that covers a lot because in combination with water, yeah, or fire, mm -hmm. you're upgrading your situation. Yeah. Speaking about fire, I think it ties into yeah. So like chronologically, like you're yeah. talking about. Yeah, I think you know when you're looking at potential exposure, and you need to retain body heat. One fire is good for morale outside of that, right? Mm -hmm. But it's also good for boiling water. Yep. Cooking food, yep. maintaining body heat, signaling day yep. and night, and it's really like a staple of survival. I mean, it's it's that's Paleolithic type shit. That's caveman type shit. Yep. Um, <laughs> I I don't know why, but I just had this picture in my head where you're like outside looking like a fucking crow magnet man, like yeah, in a diaper, <laughs> smashing <over jet. laughs> a diaper. diaper with a spear outside of your house in Colorado, a multi cam and diaper, you're hitting rocks and creating a spark, and that's it. Anyways, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> running um, yeah i think so initially right off the bat you need to be able to do that kind of stuff but that leads you into hey now you're trying to sustain life uh you, you're trying to sustain hydration levels um you're trying to sustain yourself yeah so, so for the fire starter though in the green beret minimalist kit what do we we're using the light my fire is the name of the, yeah the uh, yep yeah light my fire which is one of the best it has one of the most strikes and one of the best magnesium ferro rods on the market. Yeah. You know, I could, in a minimalist, minimalist kit, meaning a kit that you shove up your butt, <laughs> I would use a small ferro rod and they're all created equal. I mean, there's nothing really crazy about them. Right. But uh, in this kit, I wanted to be a little bit more robust. So we went with a, a higher quality. Right. Um, ferro rod. Ferro rod. And, and that rod you know, scraping the magnesium off, sparking tinder is is fairly inexpensive, but one of the most important critical pieces of that kit. Yeah. 
for reasons why you already stated, like being able to boil water, heat, you yeah. know, I cooking mean, food, all yeah. the different things, morale. Yeah. I, you know, I always come back to this price point because, you know, people always say, oh, it's you know, 150 bucks. It's expensive. Well, yeah, it's, but it's a survival kit that you're not going to have to buy again. Yeah. That, you know, the expendables in it, because we want you to train with these kits. Yeah. The expendables in it are, are not the fire rod. I mean, the fire rod's like thousands of strikes on it. Yeah. So it's going to be some of the small consumables in the kit that yep. you could pick up from us uh, separately. Um, and that's a kit that you can live with and be comfortable with yeah, retaining and traveling with abroad. A long ass time. A long ass time. Yeah. Which is a poor business plan. On my <laughs> You're telling them all the secrets. It's all disposable. <laughs> yeah. Once you get it wet once, it's yeah, no good. You have to use it. You, you can't use it again. It disappears. Yeah, there's an expiration you buy date. another survival Every kit. 30 days, you need a kit. <laughs> The next thing is the chlorine dioxide, I, the the water purification. I think the smartest thing with with the the approach on that, uh, which I thought was smart inside this sear course that I went to, was they used a Ziploc bag to retain the water. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's genius. And, and if in our minimalist survival flag patch, mm -hmm. there's a small one liter or 0.5 liter bag, baggie, right. because people are like, oh, you gotta gotta uh, purify the water. Well, what the fuck are you gonna put it in? Do you have something to put it in? Because if you're hiking in the back, backpacking in the outdoors and you got a camelback, that's going to be your procurement. Right. If you just got a Philcraft survival kit, we put in a one liter plastic roll up container, container to retain the water. That's I think right. that's pretty smart. Yeah. That wasn't my idea. Like I, I was just like, just put purification mm -hmm. tablets in there and shit. It's but fan. having something to actually carry the purified water is a big deal. That's a huge deal. Because yeah. now you can contain it, you can purify it, then you could... Yeah, transfer because, and and i think the important part there is like you know in a survival situation where there may be a evasion involved like you need to be able to transport that water so you can continue to hydrate yep uh during an overland movement yeah and it you know i think the coolest thing ever is this life straw right the life straw that you suck out of the creek or the lake and you have it on hand but yeah, that what the problem with that thing is you have to depend on water through your navigational route the right. entire time, and you can't retain that water. Right, can't take it with you. Can't take it with yeah. you. Got to got to get to a water source. Got to get to water source. And you'd be hard pressed in the world to go anywhere unless you're in Niger, Africa, which is a big shithole. Don't ever go anyway. <laughs> but you'd be hard pressed not to find water. Right. And you know, my thinking was. Let's not concentrate so much on boiling water because why the fuck are you going to boil water in a mm -hmm. survival situation where you're moving? Yeah. Why not just throw a potassium chloride or not potassium chloride, but chloride do chlorine dioxide tablet or what is potassium tablet. chloride? Is that like that's like poison cyanide, cyanide or something? <laughs> we put cyanide in the kit. Yeah. Don't use that. <laughs> no, version yeah. of it. All right. We're uh, kidding. Yeah. We're kidding. <laughs> Disclaimer. <laughs> joke. Yeah. Um, but I think that's important, man. But a lot of not a lot of people think about that as a staple and as a efficient method to retain water. Yeah, it, no, that's a good point. I mean, it, especially, you know, if it's a man-made catastrophe or, you know, and, and you have to keep moving just based off of the threat, let's call it the threat, right? You've got to continue to move away from the threat. You may not have time to stop and start a fire to boil water and do all these different things. So there was actually a lot of thought process uh, behind having drop-in tablets and being able to purify water that way. Well, I think what's cool about it too is, you know, if you're going overseas and you're on a, let's say you're traveling abroad to Rome and, you know, the government 
you know, let's use Greece because they're a little bit more unstable. Yeah. But you go to Greece and now you're in, in a remote area of Greece when the infrastructure shuts down, when transportation shuts down, when things happen, right? In mo most of these countries that are pretty unstable. Right. Well, if you have that kit, you know confidently that you could get down to the bare minimum and still be able to yeah. survive, still right. be able to retain life. Moving on outside of water. Yeah, so you talked about, uh, what do we talk about? The space blanket, talked about the ferro rod, and we talked about the ability to purify water. The next big thing is signal. Mm -hmm. You know, we use signal. You know, you think about like and hiking and then somebody gets remote and they get lost or they get injured and now they have to notify or the, the uh, emergency services are notified and they have to provide a signal. Sure. You know, there's a whistle in there. Yeah. Right, with a thermometer and a compass on it. It's just this, you know, it's a cheap plastic whistle. That's one thing. It's not like I'm going to buy a platinum whistle yeah. to put in the kit. I was I actually even... looking at the whistle the other day, though, and it's like, yeah. it's a pretty, it's a decent one. It's I the mean, one we used in the Army back in the day, yeah. like the OD green yeah. whistle. Is there, uh, I'm not going to say it. What? The <laughs> <A> rape whistle. <laughs> it's a rape whistle. It is a rape whistle with a lanyard. Okay. For the record, Mike and I are not laughing at rape because obviously that's bad, right? But, yeah. I, no one there was wants a, to get raped. Yeah, and, but I, if you do get raped, you, you can want to use whistle. the whistle. Well, I mean, it's a good it's a good deterrent. One, yeah. it's also a deterrent to like wildlife, all kinds of stuff. I just right? made that up. Yeah, maybe it's not a deterrent. What maybe you blow a whistle, about? a bear scoops your ass up. A bear is going to rape you. <laughs> <laughs> a bear rape. Yeah. Um, oh. Don't use a whistle on a, on a bear until you can Google it. Yeah, we're don't. digressing. Yeah, all no, right. I'll do that. <laughs> well, anyways, in Signal, when you look at Signal. You're you're talking audi audible, right? You're so the visual. whistle itself, you can hear it, and yep. then you know. and, and the inner communications too. Yeah, you know, we're, it's not. Well, just, we've done that. We have like a yeah. whole code of whistle. Yeah, dude. <laughs> that we do. Yeah, bro, I'm over Shift here. Fire. <laughs> I, we did a lot with whistles back in the day because it was nonverbal, right? You know, when you're in the wood line and you're. You don't want to give away your position. <laughs> don't necessarily <laughs> blow a whistle. Yeah. Over here. Wait a minute. Yeah. Over here. <laughs> Over here. But it's a good it's a good method of nonverbal communication. And also uh, the, the visual signal. You know, yeah. let's get we have a reflective mirror. In this sense, you want to be found. So you're using the whistle, making a lot of noise. And yeah. Using you're, the mirror to signal. Signal the, the space blanket. It's a huge yeah, reflective, reflective surface. Surface that yeah. I mean that you could use to to signal. I've signaled uh, aircraft in training miles away. Yeah, miles away. I think did I tell? I don't know if I told this story on the podcast or not, but you did. Iraq, two thousand three. Signaled. The yeah, air. we used the mirror. We had an A ten flying close air support. He was probably his altitude was probably five or six thousand feet, maybe, which is actually kind of high for an A ten. I think. And, um, and he actually was like, Hey, I'm having a, a hard time identifying where you guys are. And so we got on the radio and said, Hey, we've got a signal mirror. We're going to give you a flash, you know, bank your wings, um, to whatever cardinal direction he was flying at the time. And, uh, he was able to visually identify us just with this little survival mirror that we carried in our, you know, we had those little high speed pockets up on our shoulders and we gave him a flash and he gave us a wing dip and yeah. came over the radio and said, Hey, I know where you're at now. So it's awesome. Yeah. Man. Which was, a, you know, a big deal. We were infilling in Northern Iraq. And I mean, it, there were six of us 
granted at that time, you know, the Peshmerga were up there. So it wasn't a, wasn't a very crazy area, but shit, man, we didn't, we didn't know a lot about that, you know? So knowing that that A-10 knew where we were uh, and flying close air support was comforting to say the least. Yeah. That's awesome, man. That's a, I mean, it's, it's a basic skill set, Right. Um, so, and, and it, it works. works. Yeah, it yeah. works. Moving on outside of that, I, you know, there's, there's a part, there's a field notes, little waterproof, notebook and i tell people people are like what am i doing taking notes you know writing dear john letters the whole point of that is is pre-planning right writing down grids Ooh, writing yeah. down points of contact yeah um or even like if you're working in or not working but if you're in a specific area that you're using as your base of survival because it provides food and water and shelter and all these different things Maybe you're taking notes about all those different things and where they're located. So that way you've got a good system mapped out for your survival yeah. you know, situation. Hey, where, where are the grids to where I'm going? Uh, you might have a GPS co-located with you. Hey, where, what's the best vegetation that sure. uh, in this area that I'm able to eat? Yep. You know, it's, it's just smart. That's, we did a lot of that pre-planning stuff. You mm -hmm. know, we put it on index cards, laminated pieces of paper, and we brought that stuff with us. So it's just, it's just a smart way of doing business. Uh, another part of the kit is that rat tourniquet. You know, a rat tourniquet is in this kit. And a rat tourniquet, which is a rapid application tourniquet, is good for all kinds of stuff. Cordage, lanyard, and obviously a tourniquet right. in, a, in a hasty situation. I like them because they can be used on pets. They can be used on children that yeah. don't, aren't vascular. Right. Their extremities are smaller. Their extremities are smaller. Um, that, and that's, that's pretty important, you know, especially working... I mean, I told the story about going in Africa and, and running across that kid that was hit by a car. I like cat tourniquets. They're essential. Yeah. Um, I love them. But I, putting, in on the, putting two of those on each of this African kid's legs was I, – I, I almost couldn't get it completely tight enough. Right. Because he was just – he wasn't vascular. He was skinny. He was a little African kid. And I wish I had a rapid application tourniquet at that time. Yeah. Petzl Elite. The new Elite. That thing is dope. Dude, I love that yeah. headlamp, man. It's, it, is, it is a super cool minimalist headlamp. It is. And, and, you know, talking about the price point, that's one of the reasons that that kit is so expensive. You know, the coolest thing about that Petzl Elite is uh, the ability for you to, because it's got that little retractable lanyard. And so you can retract it and it doesn't get away like a sweatband on a typical headlamp. Yeah. But you could pull it and then when you swing it, it actually elongates and then you could use that as a signal device holy shit i didn't know like a buzz saw like a buzz of, saw yeah like we used to do this thing in the military and people probably still do it but we'd have 550 cord tied to a chem light and you do what you call the buzz saw chem light which was basically just swinging that chem light on that piece of 550 cord and using it as a signaling device for somebody that had night vision on yeah i know every mission that i've been on it for night operations doing a raid or something uh, we always had a combat controller who would have a buzz saw to call, to rope in the lead aircraft yep. with a buzz saw from a distance, and then as they got closer, he'd use his is lid or he use his uh, infrared laser to right. paint where he wanted the first bird to land. Yep, you know it's got a whole bunch of different applications and signaling and um, guiding in what you want, but it's cool because you could put on the red lens flashlight, which you can't see at a certain amount of a certain distance. Right. And it's good for like this, again, this low vis maintaining some kind of signature. We used to do it in the military, but remember we used to take poncho liners or ponchos and get underneath it with a red flashlight. Oh yeah. And then do our map reconnaissance or our planning underneath that. Yeah. That was um, like some Vietnam shit. It was dude. It was crazy, <laughs> man. 
doing now that I shit. feel like I feel like my my one of my trips or uh, I think it was Afghanistan and I felt like if you had a red lens you were getting shot at oh <laughs> for I know sure. man. I know I remember dude I remember being in Ranger school and, and we were doing the red lens because we used the L-shaped flash oh yeah pieces of crap I think I was like one of the of the team leaders and then he was the platoon leader and we were underneath we it was cold <laughs> yeah. so our rucksacks were facing away from each other so we were rucksack flopped yeah. and we threw the poncho over both of us and we were doing planning yeah and basically we were so close it's like we were spooning yeah you were making out but you were making out <laughs> it was so romantic under the red light but we were we were basically almost hugging yeah and then we both fell asleep doing planning like good ranger students do good ranger school students do and yeah. then uh get, get no ghosts <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, it was funny, but it was good sleep. It was like just so you guys know, it hasn't all been successes and smiles. You know, there's been there's been falling asleep on patrols and (laughs) one of my most guilty moments in in uh, I think in life. (laughs) There was this there was this captain who was a platoon leader, and. I wound up running into. Are him you telling a buddy fucker story right now? <laughs> no, no, it's not gonna be that bad. It's not gonna be that bad. Blue there Falcon. was this captain, and it was his last. He he was gonna get a go and graduate, but well, I stole it from the clutches of <laughs> dude. He was he went. I saw him in seventh group, uh, or he went to seventh group, and I was in third group. Yeah. And I ran into him in the bookstore, and he still remembered me, man. Yeah, and, come on, you know that oh, we remember stuff like that. Well, I was. We were. He's in like a, you were that. PFC that fell asleep on dude, that OP and fucked I was. Me. I was a PFC <laughs> and I was in an OP and it, dude, it was night and we were under nods. They made us use nods, yeah. so we had a PVS fourteen. Yeah, and dude, it, it was droning the shit out of me, man. Like yeah. just the just the black and green in my eye was like yeah. Yeah. it shut me down. And so it's Ranger School. <laughs> yeah, it's Ranger School. I was in this little LPOP and I fell asleep. And the instructor woke me up and, and basically chewed his ass for yeah. letting me fall asleep. Hey, but, Captain So and So. Yeah, Ranger So and So. I couldn't help it, man. I was like, it, it was, <laughs> it, it was. At, I think the following day, I was to the point. You um, racked discipline. No, it was bad <laughs> racking discipline. Where I, I basically told the platoon leader, like, I have to go down right now. Yeah. And he's like, dude, just rack out. And like, literally, where I was standing <laughs> in the patrol yeah. base, I just took a basically plopped down in the prone <laughs> and racked out for maybe 20 minutes. Yeah. And dude, I woke up and felt like I'd slept like 10 hours. Yeah. It was amazing. That's that Ranger School catnap. All right, we digress. Green Beret, Middle Survival Kit. Kit. I know. Anyways. We could tell these stories all day. <laughs> Anyways, getting into the kit and, and the application of uh, where you utilize it. Yeah. You know, one is a go bag, right? If you have a go bag, you're one of those guys who's who likes to be prepared. Stick it in your go bag. Stick it in your range bag. Oh yeah. Have it on. The reason you, you, Lucas is a big Lucas from T Rex Arms is a big uh, advocate for us because uh, we do stuff together and, and we and, appreciate that. Yeah, we appreciate Lucas it. is a good dude. He's a good dude. Real smart business guy. Real uh, proficient um, shooter and. He, a lot, of, a lot of the stuff he does uh, makes sense, but you, he always has that Philcraft kit with him wherever his kit is going. Yep. We've been asked, "Hey, you to make a Molly version?" Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if Molly is where I want to go with it because yeah. I, I want the mom to stick it in her uh, diaper bag. Yeah. Like, why the hell would you not do that? Yeah. Do you need a headlamp? Yeah, you got a headlamp. Or at a minimum, keep it in her car, right? The glove box, yeah. something. The glove box, the center console. The whole point is. Carry it where you most likely would probably need it. Right. I mean, if you're spending, if, if you're close to your car because you commute 
and it's at your workplace, yeah. stick in your car. Yeah. And, you know, buy a few of them. Buy, we have clients that buy a few of them for their wife, uh, themselves. Uh, they, make, they buy the med version, the medic version. Right. And they stick it in different places because you never know. I think one of the, you know, you talking about this right now is like driving what I do with my own family, right? My wife, my kids, and where I have survival kits and how I do that. And one of the things I want to hit on is uh, making sure that you're trained with it, right? So if you're the... Uh, the super, um, you know, survival husband or, you know, you're buying these for family members or doing something like that. Hey, don't don't just buy it for your family member, like encourage them to actually train with it so they know what's in it. Right. Because it doesn't make any sense if I throw this thing in my wife's glove box and then when the day comes when they need it, they don't even know what's in it. Right. So an important part of this whole talk and, and talking about what's in the survival kit is actually getting out and using it. Yeah, it's. Why would you not train with it? Because I think it's fun. I right. mean, it's, it's a good family time. Hey, hey, kids, we're going to go camping this weekend, but we're going to do it minimalist style, and we're going to use the Phil Krause survival kit. That's right. And you get one bag to bring whatever you want. Yep. And then, you know, and then you're living off, off, off the land, per se, or living out of your bag. And, I mean, it's, it's a good way to build uh, family bonds and, and cohesion and also to exercise a piece of equipment that you're going to potentially use yeah. in, a, in a shitty situation. We have this Overland course coming up. Yep. We've done it before. What are the Nevada. dates again on that? It's September 30th and the 1st, 1 October. And we're executing that in Durango. Yeah, it's in Durango. So, you know, I'm excited about this because it includes all of our passions, really. Right. right. The first thing is we're going to be do doing off-roading. Yep. You know, you'll have your Tacoma TRD. I'll have my Toyota 4Runner. Yep. Um, and we'll be doing overland movements, which will, which will include some technical trail stuff, but nothing crazy. Right. So if you have a four wheel drive, anything, you'll be able to do do the course with us. We're not trying to tear people's. Yeah, we're not trying to. Yeah. We're just trying to get some off roading to remote areas, and, and then talk about minimalist survival, the staples of survival. Right. And then get some practical experience doing it. Right. If you have your Philcraft kit. Coming to that kit, we'll have them available for sale at the course. Yep. So you could buy them before uh, at a discount. And then train with it. And then train the course, with it. Which is cool. And then we'll be providing minimalist survival kits, like the minimalist, minimalist version. Or you could utilize this during the practical exercises. Right. One of the coolest things is we got Kevin Falk from Double Dog Consultants to come out. Who is a former... He's a former <laughs> former force recon guy. And, uh, we joke with Kevin all the time. Kevin was a medic in the Marine Corps. And firefighter, yeah, firefighter. Yeah, he was a medic. firefighter medic in the Marine Corps, and he Kevin is now a um, an active uh, firefighter pararescue. Well, I don't know if he's active. Yeah. Oh, you're talking about <laughs> <laughs> physically? No, Kevin, we love you. You know that. Yeah. Um, but he is a a uh, a firefighter paramedic in Florida, and he's T Triple C certified, which is he tactical is. combat casualty care. And he's actually got guys on his staff that are former military uh, mm -hmm. that are familiar with T Triple C, and then he's linked, um, you know, with uh, with all these uh, special operations medicine and lessons learned and pulling data from those. Uh, uh, lessons learned in AARs, uh, after action reviews, as well as his own real world experience being a firefighter paramedic, which is a shit ton of experience. Absolutely it is. And it's well, the coolest thing about what I'm excited about for this particular course is we're giving TCCC certifications, which we're going to be focused on. Yeah, we haven't done that before. Never done that before. Yeah. And I don't think, I don't think a lot, I don't think, I don't, I don't think I've heard of anybody integrating the two. Yeah. Like my whole thing is, you know, 
hey, what happens when you're in a vehicle accident? Right. And you have to address combat uh, casualty care, which is the step that you'd see in combat, which is right. trauma, yep. gunshot wounds, vehicle accidents. Yep. And then how do you do that? And so we'll be doing scenarios where people are simulating uh, vehicle accidents. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then you have to treat them with the uh, equipment that's given. And then you have the opportunity to buy the bleeder packs that Kevin sells and to buy our med kits on hand um, and exercise that application. And then you get certified in it, which is really cool. TCCC yeah. certification is typically reserved for LE, for military, and it's cool to have the opportunity to be given to civilians. To right. Uh, the course will start at like 08 on Saturday. We'll index, we'll finish about four o'clock in the afternoon on uh, Sunday. Yeah. But you don't need lodging because you're gonna sleep in your car or sleep on top of your car or sleep on the side of your car. In the mountains. In the mountains of yeah. Colorado. We'll have a good old time. You know, meals and snacks are on your own, but we were providing dinners that Saturday night, which would be cool. Yeah. I, I think holistically, it's a good therapeutic survival uh, dip, you know, whether it's beginning or beginner survivalist, modern survivalist or yeah. intermediate. You're, you're going to get something out of it and be exposed to something you've never been exposed yeah. to. Yeah. If you're wondering or you're like, oh, I don't know if I'm ready for this, just jump in. Don't be afraid to come yeah, train. It's a good, we create a good environment where uh, lots of practical stuff and lessons learned is applied. So, yeah. you know, it's easily understood. Yeah. And, you know, the, the price is per vehicle. So right. we, we put a cap because of the TCCC of you're allowed to bring a, a buddy. Yeah. or a person so it's two people per rig two right? people per rig um and, and if you have additional people uh well, we could work something out sure um, but we try to limit it that because we have to do the TCCC training to get right. certified um and i'm excited about that course it's gonna be awesome something that we have on the calendar in durango as well is this modern survivalist course mm -hmm. and we've ran it it's called the ops course it's, and that stands for what Ops is Observe, Prepare, Survive. So right. it's just an acronym to uh, really uh, establish a methodology in survival practice, right? right. In, in, in uh, high stress practice mm -hmm. and how to mitigate stress, uh, stress, which leads to poor decision-making. Right. And, you know, overall increases your chances of survivability. But that, those courses are on the 12th and 26th of August. That's right. In Durango. A lot, it's hard to market that kind of course because people, you know, modern survival, yeah. bushcraft people get, oh, I'm going to be in the woods, rubbing right. sticks together. But modern survival is a little bit different. Well, the I think the other part of that course too is that we don't like to tell um, everybody what's going on because if you're going to be put in a stressful situation and I prepare you for that, I may not get the same reaction that we want from a teaching standpoint to be able to help you mitigate that. So I think sometimes you got to trust in the fact that uh, you know, we know what we're doing. We know how to put you in a stressful situation and then we know how to teach you how to mitigate it. So, yeah, that's a huge, uh, hugely important process, right? That not a lot of people are teaching and I'm glad that we're, uh, we're tackling it. Veteran angler. Do you Ooh, see that? I so did. I, yeah, yeah. I, there's a, our neighbor, my neighbor is down the road. His name is uh, Tanner Pollock. Uh, he's a local here. His whole family's here. Uh, his wife or they're actually in Montana right now fishing. Yeah. But I went fly fishing with him a couple of weeks ago and we talked about potentially doing a for-profit. I, I don't want to do a non-profit mm -hmm. related to this because it slows down to me the ability to help immediately because I'm not depending on on uh, marketing the sell of money. Right. The sell of collecting money. Right. 
So the whole premise behind this is 50, we, we will do hats, we will do t-shirts. There's plans to even do potentially rods and reels. That's cool. But 50% of all profits, which is half of all profits, will be going into a pool yep. that we transparently advertise. Right. As, hey, this is the spreadsheet of how much profit we're bringing in. Yep. And it's open to donors. People could donate money. Uh, in fact, the first surge of money that we get into the pot is going to be from uh, a guy who... Uh, builds knives who built an axe for me a hatchet for me yeah he's gonna be he's making a hatchet right now for this wow and we're gonna auction off yeah that's cool and create the pool of money to be able to buy the inventory and the whole premise is that pot of money goes to creating a weekend for a veteran suffering from ptsd or an active duty member yeah. who just needs to get the fuck away yeah where they get they get taken out on a guided fly fishing trip and they also get classes from us on resiliency and mindset. Right. Like same thing that we do with the assessment course where we just communicate to them. And some people just need to, honestly, some people just need a, a talking to. Yeah. Communication about what they're feeling and what they're understanding. And I think, uh, you know, based off of our experiences, you know, granted, we're, hey, we're not perfect. We're not claiming to be. But, uh, you know, we've done an, an okay job of transi transitioning into the civilian world as best as we can. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but there, but I think there's valuable things that we can help teach other guys. And that's, uh, that never goes away, right? That community of being in the military and helping another uh, guy out that needs help or a gal or whatever it ends up being. So we, uh, look at that pretty seriously. And if we can help there, then we do that. Yeah. I mean, the bottom line is we're senior non-commissioned officers and our job, I look at our jobs as we have to own that responsibility. Yeah. Because who the fuck is? Yeah. Nobody else is. Like veteran affairs can, you know, suck ass. I don't, it's inefficient. It doesn't work. I've right. been part of that process. But what does work is. Dude stepping up. Dude stepping up to the plate. Yeah. And that's our responsibility. Doing things like this. So, and yeah. what is it called again? It's going to be called veteran. It's, yeah. And you can follow it on Instagram. It's called veteran angler. Okay. You know, which is, look, I didn't want to isolate. I think everybody has the, uh, the right or the, uh, um, you know, everybody needs to have access to help. Right. Um, we just wanted to do something specifically for veterans, obviously. Yeah. Um, but also for people who are on active duty, who don't have an outlet. Yeah. Uh, those guys who were like us on active duty, who maybe were going through some tough times because of a bad trip or a bad rotation yeah. or family issues yeah. and didn't have an outlet. Mm -hmm. So being able to let them travel here, stay for free, get catered to. And then the whole, the whole point of this is I started to realize something, you know, I was writing this article for ballistic magazine on uh, PTSD on mm -hmm. being in nature. And it's not just being in nature because you could actually be in nature and be a train wreck yeah. because you're, you're inside your own head and, and that's scary. But when you go fly fishing, because it's so technical. Right. You are in the moment. Yeah. Right. You There's are, not a lot of room to think about other things. Exactly. Yeah. And so after that experience, I mean, I've been fly fishing. I, I, I didn't grow up fly fishing, but I've been fly fishing my whole life periodically. Right. But I remember that day I went out with Tanner and just remembering or thinking about that day. And six hours, four to six hours went by. And I don't even remember thinking about any problems. Right. Any issues in my life anything besides catch cat, catching awesome little brookies, these, these little small trout, first world issues, first world issues. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which are stupid. 
You're just so stupid, man. No, I think, no, this is cool. So uh, obviously, we, you know, Mike and I feel uh, it was really important to mention it on this podcast. Uh, stay tuned for more on veteran anglers, right? Because yeah. we're going to be talking yeah. about that, getting it stood up, and then hopefully getting some guys out here, gals, and uh, experiencing the great outdoors in Colorado. I can't wait, man. Yeah. I can't wait. I'd like to, I, once we get this uh, hatchet sold and we get some money in the pot. Yep. You know, it's straight to hats and t-shirts and some some marketing to get some cash flow. Yeah. And then and then, you know, get these guys and gals in here who just need help and who need which is a safe be cool. place. Yeah, awesome. I can't wait, man. All right, man. I think that wraps it up. That's how many minutes you said? <laughs> We're sitting at like 45, 46 That's minutes. Solid. Like That's that. a solid yeah. episode. We apologize for not keeping up with these frequent episodes, but we have interviewed some people that want to tell their stories about survival, which yeah. we'll be doing soon. Uh, also, our next episode is going to be on night vision and, sur- and survival situations. Yeah. So, yeah, we're looking forward to that. You guys could find us, obviously. You know, a lot of you guys who follow us know where we're at, but we're at philcraftsurvival.com. Our Instagram handles are soft survivor, SOF survivor, at philcraftsurvival, at, at veteran angler now, and Kurt's at Kurt underscore team philcraft. Boom. Booyah. <laughs> uh, if you guys got input, feedback, please feel free to email us at info at philcraftsurvival.com, info at philcraftsurvival.com. And, you know, if you're thinking about these courses and you got questions, ask us because uh, a lot of people are kind of insecure about not getting a lot of information. Yeah. But if you need some of those gaps filled, we, we'll be feel, happy to fill them. <laughs> Mike's going to fill your gap. Yeah, I'm oh, looking forward oh to God. filling <laughs> gaps worldwide. Um, <laughs> no, but we appreciate you guys' support. And we've got some other uh, things in the works as far as strategic partnerships with uh, companies that make good equipment. Yep. Um, you will know who those are uh, relatively shortly. You can probably pick up on some of our Instagram posts with uh, who yeah. those who those companies are. But and we're picky. We're picky as hell with those. We things, are. Man. Yeah. But, so we're not going to actually talk to you to our listeners about anything that we don't approve of or haven't used or something to that effect. So. Yeah. You can at least rest assured that uh, when we recommend something, we think that it's a decent piece of kit. So, yeah. and if it's not, friggin' tell us. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, our our bandwagon right now, which is small, is uh, you know, Bravo Company has been great to us. BCM, they have. We love yeah. BCM. Um, John from BCM is a great, great dude who's who's uh, facilitated a lot of stuff for us. Aaron Baruga from a gorilla approach is is uh, getting me into writing for Ballistic Magazine, and I appreciate that opportunity. Uh, Vortex Optics, they 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 support us and sponsor us. Surgeon Rifles, obviously the best sur- the best sniper rifle by Strategic yeah. Armory Corps. Armory Corps. Yeah. Nexus is a partner with them as Nexus well. Nexus Ammo. Nexus is two X uh, Recon Marines yep. doing precision ammo. Trex Arms or T Rex Arms. I always say Trex. T Rex yeah. Arms and Lucas, uh, we're a big supporter of him and his equipment. Wicked Holsters. It's KMFL, yeah, FLJ. Yeah, he's a former Seventh Group guy doing some Kydex stuff. Solid dude, All good man. Good stuff. Uh, we locally we work with Colorado Gunfighter, yep. which is a shop up at Visito Lake. Yep, yeah, at Visito Lake. And he um, is also a veteran. Uh, J- his name is JJ. He's the shop owner. He's a veteran. Uh, he's a law enforcement guy. Did some time in Denver, and then he is going to be going back to Durango PD. Yeah. Uh, so we're a huge supporter of Colorado Gunfighter. Uh, Colorado Highland Helicopters. We do. We've done some uh, aerial gunnery, aerial gunnery yeah. which is exciting, and we look forward to that in the future. Brandon's our lead pilot. He's a super squared away um, training pilot, and then he does a lot of stuff with mountain rescue. Yep. And his wife is actually a flight paramedic. Yeah, co- really cool couple. 
And then obviously, uh, courses of action. We work with Johnny Freeman a lot. He's, we're a big supporter of Johnny because he's a good dude. We, and he's a team former third the, grouper. Yeah. Former third grouper, and we support That's right. uh, the, the guys in the industry. Um, so appreciate that that little vent of strategic partnerships, but it's important to us because it, it, we we hope that you support them because we support them because we appreciate their customer service, their companies, and what they do for veterans. And, and at the end of the day, they build quality stuff. So. Yeah, at the end of the day, it's the it's the best bang for your buck. Yep. All right, guys, appreciate it, man. Until next time, stay alert, stay alive. Stay alive.